if you follow the news, you'll hear a lot of politicians out there talking about how they want to reduce or even eliminate abortions. Is passing a law targeting the woman seeking an abortion or the doctor performing the abortion the answer? Well, to help us answer that question, my guest today has asked another question. Why do women get abortions to begin with? In other words, if abortion is the symptom, what's the cause? Isn't it more effective to deal with the cause than merely trying to do away with the symptom? My guest today is Gabrielle Blair. She's a New York Times bestselling author, publisher of the award-winning Design Mom blog, and founder of Alt Summit, the conference for design and lifestyle entrepreneurs. Now here's where Gabrielle and the Do Justice podcast intersect. Last September, she decided to publish a very long tweet thread on Twitter about what it takes to really stop abortions. The tweet went viral. Currently, it has 267,000 likes and 118,000 retweets. Her take on the abortion issue is unique, and she talks about a party that is rarely, if ever, mentioned in the abortion debate. I think you'll want to listen to our entire conversation. Don't forget that you can connect with the Do Justice podcast on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at DoJusticeNow. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate us and follow us on Apple Podcasts. Gabrielle, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about yourself. You're a mom to six children, I believe. You've written a best-selling book, and and those two things right there is more than most people aspire to in, in life. So, <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure, sure. So um, I do. I have six kids, but my husband and I both came from big families, eight kids each. So that's no big deal. Nice. Six kids. Um, we knew we wanted a big family. And, um, so that was the plan and we, and we're glad we have a big family. Um, our youngest is now nine years old and our oldest is 21. So we're way out of the baby stage and way out of the toddler stage. And I know you're kind of right in it. And I just want to tell you that it gets better. Thank you. I promise you get to sleep <laughs> through the night eventually. And, oh man. And yeah. your kids learn how to talk and it's great. But anyway, um, so, yeah, so I started working online. Um, my background, I studied graphic design in college. My degree is a BFA in graphic design. And then I moved to New York and started working in advertising as an art director and loved it and was awesome. And um, after baby number five, took uh, um, on a maternity leave, started a blog called mm. Design Mom. And um, at the time, I was 31 and my... Uh, peers in New York were just getting married and thinking about having their first kid. And here I was with baby number five. So mm. I was like, they're pro, you know, I was like, <laughs> they came to me with all sorts of questions. Do I do a first birthday party? Where do you find cute toddler shoes? You know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so I started a blog called design mom, where I could talk about kind of the intersection of design and parenting. And, um, that was a long time ago. I mean, uh, July, which is coming up is my 13th anniversary. Wow. And I, um, love it. I, um, back in the day, there was no Pinterest and no Instagram and Twitter didn't even have pictures yet. I mean, it was just like brand new and really Facebook was still on college campuses. So the blog was blogging was where it was at and is where um, moms were connecting. And it was a really, really great time to, um, be blogging, but I would do three posts a day 
because, wow. um, but it would be almost like an Instagram post now, you know, it'd be like a picture and a paragraph. So, um, this is very different. And now I'm much longer form. And as you said, I've written a book, um, about, about design and parenting, actually, it's called design mom. And it's how to make your house really livable with kids and still a place that you love and that your, you know, your kids love to be and that you can all thrive. Um, mm. anyway, so that's awesome. Um, um, and then over the years, I've really just been able to speak about whatever I wanted to on Design Mom because, uh, again, the intersection is design and parenting, but pretty much every topic falls under either design or parenting. I mean, like, parents have to talk to their kids about everything. So mm-hmm. there's really not anything that I can't discuss. And um, and I have definitely used that uh, nice little benefit to my advantage. So I will discuss, uh, so, you know, whatever's happening in the world. I try to discuss it with my readers and I have incredibly smart readers. I did a, a survey, I guess it was uh, January of 2018. So it's probably due for another one, but all of my readers have more education than I do. They're all, I mean, like I have my bachelor's, they all seem to have masters or above. They're just super smart and um, really well educated. And that really, you know, uh, they just are careful about how they phrase things and how they think. And my comment section is just remarkable. So I'll bring up a topic I'll kind of share what my thoughts are, maybe share some resources on it. And then the comment section is just a fount of wisdom. And so mm. it's, um, and it's a beautiful place. And I have, um, I don't have to moderate much at all, which you'd be shocked mm. because it's a really great mm-hmm. place, but that's just because I've been doing this for 13 years and people that come know if they're going to be a jerk, they're going to get deleted. We're not here to mm-hmm. yell at each other. We're mm-hmm. here to, you know, we're not here to judge. We're here to really discuss things. So if you can't participate in that way, you could read only, sorry, we get deleted, but yeah. I honestly rarely have to delete anything. Um, it's, if I do, it's because it's their first time here and they come on, they get angry and they're yelling about who knows what. And you're like, yeah, we don't do that here. So, um, so that's design mom. And, um, and then alt summit, I started 10 years ago and the real name is altitude design summit, mm. but then everyone started calling it alt summit, almost like alt is in like your alt key on your keyboard or alternate or an alternative Mm -hmm. or whatever. So, um, so it goes by alt summit and, um, yeah. And it's awesome. It's, uh, again, started for design bloggers again, back before any other sort of social media was happening. Um, in fact, Ben Silverman, the founder of Pinterest came to the first alt summit looking for design bloggers to, you know, try his little beta, Mm. um, experiment. And then he came the next year and spoke on a little panel. And the next year he was a keynote speaker because Pinterest was massive. Wow. So Alt Summit is a great place where really um, creative things have launched and tons of companies have come out of Alt Summit. And um, we just, again, celebrated our 10th anniversary with 2000 attendees in Palm Springs. And um, it's awesome. So that's Alt Summit. I've talked about my kids. I've talked about Design Mom. And... uh, then tying that all together is, um, as I said, I can kind of write about anything. And last September I wrote a Twitter thread. Um, I actually wrote it months before I published it. So last September I published a Twitter thread about irresponsible ejaculations and (laughs) how they relate to abortion. And, um, I was very nervous to put it out there. I, my, my audience isn't really on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They've been on it a little bit more since the election, just because everyone's on it more, because that's where you get the news about what the president's saying. Mm-hmm. But, um, but mostly they haven't been on it. So although I was, you know, it was the first social media media account I had was Twitter, because it was kind of the first one out there. Um, my again, my audience hasn't really cared, so I've never really paid much attention to it. But then I wrote this 
thread for Twitter, knowing if it was going to get an audience, it would get an audience there. Mm-hmm. That I could put on my blog and it would just get my readers, which is great. I have a lot of readers, but it wouldn't spread as much as it could if it, if it was going to spread. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this Twitter thread. I've never written a Twitter thread before and felt like an idiot because it it's a long Twitter thread. It's 63 tweets. It's so amazing. my Yeah. Well, thank you. So one of my main concerns going in, well, one is, you know, am I, am I doing it right? Um, am I like mechanically doing it right? <laughs> is this mm-hmm. like how you do it? But number two, how fast can I delete it if – Either like either mm-hmm. like I'm I'm either embarrassed because no one's looking at it, so it's mm-hmm. like oh my gosh I put out a 63, 63 tweet thread and like my mom is liking it or you know what I mean like and that's it I would be like so embarrassed right so like how fast could I delete it and my pride couldn't handle that and then the other one the other fear and the reason I didn't publish it for months after I wrote it was um, would my family be attacked or you know I, I really mm. I, I have six kids you know like mm-hmm. w- are, am I going to be under attack because Twitter can be a really hard place. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't have control in the same way on my blog where I can delete a comment. I, I don't have that kind of control. So I was nervous about that, but, um, it has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, for sure there are people that disagree or want to argue that's no problem. Um, and there are plenty of people I've blocked, um, mm-hmm. that are just there to be trolls and that's fine. Like whatever. I mean, it's not fine, but I, I'm not going to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, overall, it's been very positive, and I've gotten uh, so much communication, you know, on on Twitter, via email, on Medium comments, wherever people can contact me. Just on Facebook, a ton too. Just letting me know that um, this has changed the way they um, think about a, um, a, the abortion uh, debate or conversation. That they're able to talk about things without yelling at someone now because they can kind of shift the conversation away from abortion to unwanted pregnancy, which is hmm. a lot less um, fraught. And um, that it's really like, that even people who consider themselves very, you know, progressive or that they feel very open-minded about things felt like, felt like this was still a perspective they hadn't heard before and that they appreciated it. So mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. really happy with it and it continues to go viral. So um, yeah. basically every time there's a news story about abortion, um, which is, happens quite a bit these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might get another 10,000 likes or, you know, that kind of thing. It's pretty crazy. Right. No, it is. And I, I don't know how I came upon your tweet. I think it was a friend of mine probably who uh, had liked it or retweeted it. And so that's how I looked at it. And I read through it and I found it so uh, engaging that I called my wife over who doesn't have Twitter. And I said, Hey, you got to read this. And so we read through it together and, and found it very, um, refreshing to be honest um so Thank so you. you you launched this 63 tweet thread <laughs> it goes yeah. viral and i want to read the first tweet uh in okay. that thread um you said i'm a mother of six and a mormon i have a good understanding of arguments surrounding abortion religious and otherwise i've been listening to men grandstand about women's reproductive rights and i'm convinced men actually have zero interest in stopping abortion Here's why. And then you go into all your reasons why, which we'll get into in a second, maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. How would you, first of all, before we, I want to hear why you think men have zero interest in stopping abortion. um, But how would you describe yourself, first of all? Do you consider yourself pro-life, pro-choice, somewhere in between? I mean, do you like those labels? Um, I, I, no, I mean, I don't love the labels. I I feel like I either, um, I like, I'm pro-legal abortion or I'm anti-legal abortion. That's mm-hmm. more comfortable to me. Okay. Um, and I, I am pro-legal abortion. 
And um, I would say as a Mormon, um, the Mormon church definitely teaches um, abortion should be rare and only when uh, the mother's life is at risk Mm -hmm. or in in cases of rape or incest, which I know are kind of typical exceptions for people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but from, from my perspective, that's legal abortion. That means um, if you, if you want there to be legal exceptions, then Mm -hmm. you are pro legal abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, and if you want there to be no exceptions, then you are anti-legal abortion. That's how my mind does it. I realize everyone may, may do it differently, but that's where I sit. Um, on abortion. Um, I'm in a, also can say that personally I'm in a position that I wouldn't ever need one. And I know that because my social um, sort of safety nets mm-hmm. are as deep as you can get them in mm-hmm. America, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, and, and so I, I, I just would like, and I know that's like a crazy lucky place to be, mm-hmm. but I'm still like, I'm fully aware of that. And I'm aware that mm, that it's rare to have this minute, this much and this depth of, of safety social nets. Right. Uh, or sorry, did I say that right? Social safety nets. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, um, so I totally understand that not everyone's in the position that I'm in. So I can, it's easy for me to say, Oh, I would never have an abortion, mm-hmm. but I, it's also easier for me to say, Oh, it's easy for me to understand why someone else would. Got it. And that's, I think that's, something that's helpful for people who are against abortion, you know, however they term mm-hmm. that to think about is, okay, so for me, maybe I would never want this, but are there some situations where I can imagine someone wanting that or not mm-hmm. being able to imagine how, you know, carrying a pregnancy to term? Um, mm-hmm. And so just underlying that, I mean, in your, it sounds like you're saying abortion is not really a good thing, right? I mean, and it's funny because I hear people on the, um, I guess they would call themselves the pro-life side or on sure. the more conservative side of this issue uh, say, you know, abortion's bad and everyone who thinks abortion ought to be legal thinks abortion's great. But yet mm. I, I don't think I've talked to very many people who true. think abortion is good in and of itself, right? Right. So this is where I come at it from. And this is kind of where I was coming at that thread from back when I was sort of thinking through the arguments on this thread. Mm-hmm. Um, partly it was, um, so there's two things. One, just the difficulty of being pregnant. And I'm going to come back to that. And if I forget that, I'm going to say it now so you can remind okay. me. All right. um, the, the second thing is um, women and, you know, being aware of their bodies. So I'm going to start there. And um, as a woman, I know that we uh, are very aware of our bodies, right? We have to pay attention like, oh, is my period starting? Is it not starting? You know, what's happening there? Do mm-hmm. I, um, am I, am I mad today because I'm hungry or my hormones off or, you know, whatever, like this is just sort of the life of um, living in a woman's body. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was, saw the, the abortion numbers and they were higher than I thought. I think I saw a set of 600,000, but I've also seen 900,000 or, you know, this is like in a, uh, in a, in a year. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that going, it, I had just this big disconnect because I know women and I know we don't even like going to the OBGYN for just like a pap smear. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we don't want anything being done to our pr- vagina or private areas or mm-hmm. any of our genitalia. Right. Like, and I imagine men feel the same, like don't mm-hmm. mess with it. Right. Sure. Um, especially in any kind of medical clinical way, that's just like, no, thank you. So, so why would, like people, like women would avoid an abortion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I can imagine they would avoid wanting to get that done. And so I was going, that doesn't make sense why there would be so many. 
um, unwanted pregnancies is where my mind went. Like, if, if they can get to the doctor to have an abortion, and I know how much they would dread that, because again, I, I, I know no one would be excited to go get an abortion, um, at least the physical part of it, in the same way that I've never met a woman that's excited to go mm-hmm. have a speculum, open her, serve it, you know, anything like that. It's just not right. fun. Um, so that, so like, no one's going to be excited to get an abortion and there's all these birth controls available. So why, why is it so hard to prevent these unwanted pregnancies? And so I was thinking about that and it was just like this instant, like, you know, um, light from the heavens, like, ta-da, you know why. And I mean, I do know why I have tried every possible birth control and Mm -hmm. they work. I mean, every possible female birth control and they all worked. I was able to decide when I wanted to get pregnant and decide when I wanted to have a baby. So that's lovely. But Mm -hmm. the side effects in every single case were horrific, brutal, Mm -hmm. but just horrible and not unusual. Lots of women dealing with these same side effects and just expected to buck up and deal with it. Mm -hmm. Like, no, like, women aren't even really talking about the side effects. We're just supposed to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so anyway, so, so, so the side of, I knew the side effects were an issue, but then also it's a pain. If I want to go get birth control right now, the soonest I can get it, I'm trying to think how fast could I get a doctor's appointment? Um, how fast could I get a prescription, mm-hmm. get over there, especially, you know, what if I have young kids or have school or work or whatever, like how fast could I get a prescription? And then say it's the pill, which is the most common one. How fast until it's effective? You have to take it for a while before it's even working. Mm. So, so I, so there's just complications with, with, I, you know, I was thinking through all this, like, well, it's really hard to get birth control. It's expensive, especially if you don't have insurance. It's, there's nothing convenient about it. You know, you're having to wait for uh, uh, the pharmacy to be open, the doctor's appointment, all that kind of thing. But then also, even if you're, like if you're not having sex every day, you're still having to use birth control every day. Like mm-hmm. the, the side effects, the birth control, you have to take it all the time. Now I'm married and I am, you know, was very, grew up very traditionally Mormon and total abstinence before marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then fidelity within marriage. So that's easy for me to say, no big deal. I can, um, I can, I can do that. But I realized that's not, I, I mean, no big deal that I can wait to get birth control or do whatever I need to do. But mm-hmm. I realize that's not how, that's not realistic to force that on the rest of people of the world. Like, mm-hmm. I can't force my religious beliefs on anyone else, right? Right. So I'm, so I was going, okay. So if I'm a woman and I'm in, I'm dating, and I break up with my boyfriend, and I say, okay, well, I'm going to get off birth control then because I hate these side effects. Um. And then I'm, and then three months go by and I haven't had sex and I'm not really dating anyone and I meet someone and we're dating for a while. And I think, Oh, I do want to have sex with him. How long before I can get birth control that will work for me? Um, you know, like there, there isn't, there aren't a lot of options for women that would work instantly right when you need it. Right. And so then I was going, okay, so then that girl, that woman actually, um, she's probably not going to get off birth control, even though she breaks up with her boyfriend because she doesn't know when she's going to need it again. So she's sitting there kind of torturing her body, going through the inconveniences of going back to the doctor, getting another prescription, trying another one, you know, whatever she needs to do. And she may not even be having sex for months at a time. And she's still having to take this birth control to sort of be ready to have sex. Mm -hmm. And it's just the whole thing is so ridiculous, especially when I compared it to male birth control, which is 
really just condoms and vasectomies and condoms are the common ones. And they are all the opposite things. They are available 24 seven. They're available mostly free if you need that. I mean, mm-hmm. I can easily find them free at clinics mm-hmm. or at, you know, at college campuses or wherever you can, you know, talk to any health school, the health teacher at the high school. Um, they are, you only need them when you have sex right then, you know, you, so if you haven't had sex for three months, then you don't need to worry about using condoms until you have sex again. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, there's no side effects. There's no, they don't, they don't cause liver failure or, or aneurysms or mm-hmm. just heavy bleeding or cramping or mood swings or anything like that. And um, they don't require a doctor's appointment. Just all of the things that are hard about women's birth control are easy about condoms. And anyway, so it was that whole thought process that made me go, oh, okay. Um, but so then backing up again to where I talked about women don't want to go get stuff done to their bodies mm-hmm. any more than men would. So that was where I'm saying, I don't think anyone's excited about getting an abortion. That's not right. that for the physical reasons, but also because that means something went wrong. I mean, mm. Someone was, you know, someone didn't treat her body the right way, whether it was her or, I mean, like whether she was acting irresponsibly or she succumbed to peer pressure or was, uh, you know, kind of coerced or um, he, he, you know, what the word is stealthing, you know, removed the condom or mm-hmm. maybe it was like they were both doing stuff right. And it was just one of those 2% situations where the mm-hmm. birth control failed. Sure. Whatever happened that like it's a, it was something wrong happened, you know, something sad happened. So it, it certainly doesn't ever feel like a joyous occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, if she didn't want to be pregnant, if this was an unwanted pregnancy. Well, that in itself is sad, right? That's an unwanted pregnancy. So someone, but then related to that, someone is asking me, well, then if you're, if you're pro-legal abortion, why do you care if abortions are reduced at all? And I'm going, Oh, it's because of what I just said there. Like, it means something sad has happened and, it, you know, the, in causing the unwanted pregnancy, that something sad has happened. And it also means um, that someone is pregnant and pregnancy is hard even when you want it. Um, so, like, mm-hmm. I had the most normal pregnancies in the world. I had the most normal childbirths in the world. And I had six, and that's incredibly rare that I would have it all so normal. Mm-hmm. And I'm still traumatized from the experiences of being <laughs> pregnant and childbirth. Wow, yeah. And, like... I can't watch it. Like, it's really hard for me to watch childbirth and like, even in movies when I'm not even actually seeing the birth, just seeing, you know, the woman huffing and puffing or whatever, like, it's just too traumatic. And I mean, that for me, that's a definitely a trigger thing. Mm -hmm. And I just think I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish an unwanted pregnancy on anyone because pregnancy is hard and it's hard on your body and it's hard emotionally and it's just hard all the way around. And so if you want to be pregnant, I I hope, you know, you'll take that decision seriously. And I wish that for you if that's what you want. But if you don't want to be pregnant, I totally understand. And I would not wish that on anyone. I I guess I feel like um, we have myths around pregnancy in our culture in order to make sure that people have babies. So we don't Mm -hmm. talk about how dangerous it is and how hard it is. Mm. We just don't talk about it Mm -hmm. because why would anyone have a baby if it was that hard and that horrible and the risks were so great? Um, but they are, it is hard. Like you are going to scar in some way or another and you, you know, it is going to change your body and it is going to, um, uh, there's no easy way to get one human being out of an outside of another human being. There's just not a way, 
you know, like a, a seven pound baby, a nine pound baby, whatever it is. There's no way to do that in a way that's not going to be um, hard on your body. Like there's, there's no such thing. And I've done all of the things I promise. Um, so anyway, so I'm just going, I want to, um, I want to reduce abortions because I want to reduce that experience, that experience of an unwanted pregnancy and having to get an abortion for anyone. I would want to reduce that. I would want to say, Oh, I wish I could take that from your life. Mm-hmm. I wish I could prevent that for you. So a lot of religious people have the view that, you know, life is, is sacred. It begins at mm-hmm. conception. Um, mm-hmm. and so for them, there should be no exceptions whatsoever. In other words, we should not, uh, interfere in any way to terminate a pregnancy because to them that would be equivalent to murder. murder. Um, and, and so you're saying, Hey, listen, I've got a solution here that's going to work almost hundred percent of the time, right? You're saying Mm -hmm. if, Mm -hmm. uh, and what is that solution? Just kind of, you know, just spell it out real plain for us here. Sure. So look, I, we're not, we're never going to come to agreement. I mean, the world as a whole on when, life begins. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we're going to come to that agreement. It's a complicated and debate. So yeah. It's a complicated debate, and I, I understand that it's complicated, and I understand, I truly do feel like I understand the different arguments and where people are coming from, and we're not going to come to an agreement there, and I don't know if we need to, um, because what if we don't have to discuss abortion because we've prevented it, and the way I suggest preventing it is um, by uh, men using condoms when they have sex mm-hmm. or um, getting vasectomies which are, if, if, if your listeners don't know, are highly reversible. Um, there are different rates of reversal, but if it's, especially if you go in knowing you want reversal, um, the techniques they use and the methods they use are, um, are even more highly successful. And, um, and, you know, you can always bank sperm or, you know, there's things that you could do, but we, we could definitely, re- we could definitely reduce um, the occurrence of unwanted pregnancies if, we, if men were taking more responsibility for their sperm. Now, of course, I definitely hope women are also taking responsibility for their bodies and, you know, it's their body and if, if they should do whatever they want, uh, want to do to prevent a pregnancy for sure. Mm-hmm. But for all the reasons I've outlined, female birth control is really, really difficult. Right. So I'm also saying, men, can you be aware of that and step up because mm. your birth control really isn't that difficult. Mm-hmm. And, um, and why should I be worrying about your sperm anyway? Like, I don't, like, you take care of your own sneezes. You take care of all of your other bodily fluids. Why am I responsible for your sperm all mm. of a sudden? Like, mm. why is that the one bodily fluid that somehow women are responsible for? That's so, that's so bizarre. Uh, and, yeah. you know, you could argue, like, okay, if women are responsible for sperm, then who's responsible if you're masturbating? You are. Like, you know you're responsible for your own bodily fluids, and you know you can decide where that bodily fluid ends up. And I know this is crude, but, you know, the masturbation is the thing. You, If you were looking at uh, some kind of uh, pornography on your phone and you're masturbating and you don't want uh, your sperm to end up on your phone, you can control that. And if you don't want your sperm to end up in a vagina, you can also control that. You know, mm-hmm. like we, but we sort of act like men don't have to worry about that and don't have to decide that or control that Hmm. totally weird thing, just sort of a blind spot in our society. And okay. So that brings me to another question. So we have, um, laws that go in or are being promoted everywhere. They're popping up all over the place, especially since the current administration took office. And since, uh, Brett Kavanaugh was appointed to the United States Mm -hmm. Supreme court as a justice. Um, Mm -hmm. and these laws are 
focused um, on the women, you know, mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. actual, um, I guess you could say, kind of the the result of these unwanted pregnancies or, you know, dealing with that as opposed to the, the cause, which is what you're talking about. It's like, how do we get these? Right. Um, and, and so CNN reported that, for example, uh, just this year on May 14, Alabama legislators passed a bill banning abortions uh, with a few limited exceptions. Uh, I believe it makes it a felony for a doctor to perform an abortion mm. there in the state mm-hmm. of Alabama. Louisiana, um, on May 29, passed a heartbeat bill uh, with no exceptions for rape or incest. Uh, Mississippi mm-hmm. Governor Phil Bryant signed a heartbeat bill in March as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed a bill on May 7 that would ban abortions if a fetal heartbeat can be detected. Um, I think you've kind of already answered this, but... Um, so these laws are focused on the women. You, you don't think that states should have laws that make it illegal for a woman to terminate a pregnancy, or, or how do you understand I that? I don't. And this, is, this comes back to, the, you asked me the original question, I don't know if I even answered it, about um, why do I think men don't care about abortion? And I would say, mm-hmm. or about you know reducing abortion, I would say these laws are a great example of why I think that. Um, first of all, we know what works to reduce abortion. There's data on this. It's not magic. We, like, we don't have to guess. We know. And it's making birth control widely available, really easily available, and cheaper free. Like mm-hmm. That does a great, a great job of reducing abortion. And then the more we could make it available, um, mm-hmm. the better. And I think we could do things like try and reduce the stigma around condoms, which when used correctly, actually, lots of men have told me in response to this thread that... Um, if, a, if condom, you know, without, sorry, if sex without a condom is at, you know, level 10 pleasure, that if you're using a condom correctly with the right kind of lubrication, um, it's going to be at 9.9 or 9.8. So mm-hmm. it's like if we can re- remove the stigma around condoms, if we can, again, make them free, make them available, teach people how to use them. Uh, I, I talk about the pullout method in my thread, which I understand is a great joke. And everyone says, oh, it's people get pregnant using the pullout method. And I, I do understand that. But um when used correctly, it's 96% effective and you don't need condoms. You don't need, it's not going to lessen your pleasure, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and it is not often used correctly. I mean, it's, sorry, it's often not used correctly. So it's really like more like 80% effective, mm-hmm. um, in, in use, but it's also one of those things where I'm like, well, why aren't we teaching people how to do it effectively? If it's 96% effective and you don't have to, you know, go to the pharmacy or, you know, you can do it when you're, um, had sex, you weren't expecting to have sex. You know, it, it just seems like we expect women to take the pill perfectly. Why don't we expect men to learn how to do the pullout perfectly? You know, that kind of thing. Um, anyway, so all these things make me go, men, if you were interested in stopping abortion, and in this case, I'm talking about these political men who are making these laws. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in stopping abortion, you can do it right now, right the second, without touching abortion law or talking to women. You can do it by controlling the actions of men. So all you need to do is figure out the right, correct consequence, the you know correct consequence for ejaculating irresponsibly. And I don't know what the correct consequence would be. I assume it's whatever is the most effective um, consequence mm. that prevents people from ejaculating responsibly. I'd love to hear those debates and hear men decide what would stop them from mm. ejaculating responsibly. Mm. Now, I don't know. I'm not a man, right? Mm-hmm. But um, they could absolutely. Um, you know, put consequences in place for men who cause unwanted pregnancies, for men who ejaculate irresponsibly, and they would stop unwanted pregnancies and therefore stop abortion. They, it's absolutely within their control. They never talk about that. I've never, mm-hmm. never, not once right. heard a politician talk about 
the man who caused the pregnancy. So in our current culture, right this minute, right now, women are held responsible for preventing pregnancy. Sometimes men are willing to help out with that by wearing a condom. But in general, I don't know what kind of percentage to put on it. 95%? I don't know. Women are expected to do the work of pregnancy prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in our society currently right now, women obviously do 100% of the work of dealing with the pregnancy. If, if an unwanted pregnancy occurs, the woman doesn't have a choice. She has to deal with that in whatever way she chooses, but she doesn't have a choice. Um, the pregnancy is happening. So um, that's what's happening right now. And when I tried to shift the conversation a little bit to unwanted pregnancies, I also tried to uh, really shine a light on how unjust that is right now um, that women are really held, you know, not only are we totally blamed for the pregnancy that all falls on our shoulders, but also uh, held responsible for preventing it. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to shine a, a, a light on that and how unequal, how unjust it is by saying, well, wait a minute, sperm is causing the pregnancies here. Um, irresponsible ejaculations is causing the pregnancies. What if we shifted the responsibility to men? And it is, of course, super fascinating because um, the people that are troubled by the threat are really angry about that that uh, particular aspect that mm-hmm. I've said, well, men are doing this. Let's hold men responsible. And never, they're never seem to notice that right now it's unbalanced against women. They're only concerned sure. when I suggest that it be unbalanced against men. <laughs> so that's been fascinating too. Cause you're like, you, you know, do you understand what you're saying here that you're going, that's not fair. It's not fair that you're only holding men accountable here. And I'm saying, okay, well, one, I'm not only holding men accountable mm-hmm. and, and nowhere do I say women shouldn't also be responsible. But number two, women are only being held accountable right now. Right. And you don't seem to care. Sure. You know, and that's historically been the case. Right. So that's where I go back to, okay, men who are making laws about abortion, mm-hmm. you don't actually care. You're using this as a political uh, talking point. Mm-hmm. You know that you can get voters by saying this, even if you've paid for abortions for your mistress or your wife or whatever. And you, but as long as you'll say, I am pro-life and I'm going to vote pro-life, you'll get the votes from a certain uh, segment of the population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I know it's baloney. I know they don't care because I know if they did care, they could absolutely reduce abortions without, again, ever even touching an abortion law, without ever having to legislate women's bodies. But so, they choose not to do that. Right. So a lot of moral grandstanding or political grandstanding. Yeah, yeah. totally. Totally. Well, um, I'm going to let you listen to a little clip here from uh, the debate. Some of the debate took place on the uh, Alabama, I think it was the Senate there floor when um, the legislators there passed the bill banning abortions and someone tried to introduce an amendment to that here. Let me let you take a listen. Okay. This bill is not about pro-life or the right to life. This bill is about control. People are going to have abortion. The problem is it's going to always be unsafe, inaccessible, for those people who uh, have lesser means. We all know about the back alleys, the basements. People will try going online now, how you can mix a concoction to have an abortion. But why you all want to control our bodies, I will never, ever know. You know, you all are always trying to put the laws on us. 
I want you all to vote for this one so we can have some equality about this thing. Okay? <laughs> Mr. President, I offer this amendment. All right, Secretary Reed received the amendment. And the long roll call vote. I saved the best for last. Uh-oh. Amendment to House Bill 314 by Senator Figures. On page 8, after line 15, insert the following new subsections C and D. C, a man who has a vasectomy shall be guilty of a Class A felony. D, a man who attempts to have a vasectomy shall be guilty of a Class C felony. Urge you to vote no, members. Using, <laughs> using the long roll right, call You're talking about life. All right, we Secretary, call the roll. So I think, I don't know if that was serious or if, I mean, obviously she knew it wasn't going to, going to pass, but, um, kind of different perspective from when you're, where you're coming from on this, right? You're saying, Hey, listen, right. get a vasectomy. So saying, uh, that's no, a responsible I totally way to get where she's saying, she's yeah. saying, Oh, you think abortion's murder? Okay. Well then, sure. then um, I, it's like, it's the same people that say, okay, well then you better not, um, I, I masturbate because that's going to be reckless abandonment. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I it, it's right straight out of uh, Legally Blonde. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, mm. but um, I totally get it. And I think it's, um, I'm glad she did it. I think it's great. I would have loved to see the reaction if she had suggested, okay, you don't like those. You don't like making vasectomies a, a crime. How about making, you know, uh, causing a monotone pregnancy? What happens to the man? Like mm -hmm. what's the, what's the crime for causing a monotone pregnancy? Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about child support that may or may not happen in the future if the woman goes through the legal channels, spends a ton of time trying to make that happen, chasing down that money. I'm talking about just the pregnancy because the pregnancy may not even come to term or the pregnancy, you know, the baby may end up being adopted, something like that. So what's the legal punishment for just causing the pregnancy? Um, mm -hmm. There is none. There's zero. There's mm -hmm. absolutely zero consequence for men who cause an unwanted pregnancy. Zero, zero, zero. And, um, so I'd love to hear their suggestions. Um, the men and the women in the room, okay, what should be the consequence if you cause an unwanted pregnancy? Yeah. And um, men don't seem to want to talk about it. And I know it sounds like it's a joke or ridiculous, but we do this to women constantly. We're constantly legislating women and blaming women for these decisions and about, around pregnancy and pretending like the men weren't even involved. It's bizarre. So you're interested in actually stopping abortions, reducing abortions, um, not by making them illegal, but by saying, "Hey, let's let's do away with unwanted pregnancies." And and yes. instead of focusing on just the woman, let's talk about who else is responsible here. And uh, you know, and it actually, as as we were you were talking, it reminded me of a biblical story um, where uh, Judah, one of um, Jacob's sons, got Tamar, his daughter-in-law, pregnant. Interesting story. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, in the end he, you know, basically finds out she's pregnant. He of course didn't know it was her when he was impregnating her. He thought it was mm -hmm. a street side harlot. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make it much better, but anyway. No, no, but you know, <laughs> so he in, advocates for her to be punished for this. Right. And in the end, you know, she uh, proves that it was him that did it. And right. uh, then he relents. And, you know, it's interesting throughout history. I think we have focused, uh, and I say we meaning society, we focused on, you know, the woman, because, you know, the man, you know, as you say, you know, he, he irresponsibly ejaculates and, uh, that's it. But the woman that's carries, it. she, you know, she kind of shows, let's put it that way. Right. Uh, if, if right. she gets pregnant, you know, she it's obvious, it. but the guy, right. you know, he goes walking free. So what do you, let's just, let's wrap this up. I really appreciate you talking today. And, um, your perspective is, uh, I, I like where you're coming from and I think it's, uh, it's refreshing. 
Um, for those listeners who say, okay, so what can I do to do justice in this area? Um, what would you like to leave us with? You know, what can we do to actually make a difference in this area? Because I, I think it's something that uh, a lot of people care about, wh- whichever direction you're coming from. And um, and again, I don't think I've talked to anybody who celebrates abortion and says it's a great thing. Everybody says, right. hey, you know, but how do we get there? And I think we have different perspectives. But what would you leave us with about how we can do justice in this area? So a couple things. I love this question. Um, one of them is going to be politicians, and I'll get back to that in a second. But um, I would say start with the your own personal life, and um, I'm especially thinking of men in this case, and think about um, the role you've taken as a um, as a husband or boyfriend or whatever your your role is um, in birth control. Mm. Have you assumed your wife is taking care of this? Um, do you know what kind of side effects she's experienced? Are you avoiding a vasectomy because you feel like it's going to make you less of a man and she's having to suffer through um, doctor's appointments and getting an IUD um, inserted, which is, they say, as as painful as getting a, um, doctors have told me it's as painful as getting a vasectomy, but there's no uh, painkiller. There's no pain relief. Mm-hmm. They don't, um, for men, they give uh, anesthesia. For women, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and another bizarre side story. But um, to just consider just your own personal actions, like, have you assumed that this is all your wife's responsibility or all your girlfriend's mm. responsibility? Mm-hmm. And just examine your actions. I don't think men are evil. Um, I don't think people are evil. I think people really do want to do the right thing. Mm. I think this is just a big blind spot in our society. Sure. Um, I married to an amazing man. We're going on 24 years in, in August. Mm. Um, we got married. You know, we hadn't had sex. We're being this good, these good religious people. I went in to have a birth control appointment never even occurred to him to think about it or discuss it and never occurred to me to, to think that he should, mm-hmm. it was just assumed I would take care of it. And I'm not mad at him about that. I'm, if I'm mad at anyone, it's just like, what is this culture? How weird is that? Mm-hmm. That it's just assumed it's the woman's responsibility. Um, no one, you know, warned me like, Oh, this is going to have to wreak havoc on your body. This birth control. It was just expected like, okay, you'll deal with this anyway. So I would say men just start there and just think, Oh, do I need to have any kind of change of frame of reference on like, do I, do I just need to go, Oh, wow, that was crappy of me. Maybe I should uh, approach this differently. Mm-hmm. I'm moving forward. Maybe I should get a vasectomy if I'm done having kids. So my wife doesn't have to do another, you know, 20 years of birth control. Consider that. Um, number two, be super, um, again, in your personal life with your friends, with your, when these topics come up, when abortion comes up, be really an advocate for condoms and vasectomies and, you know, generally encouraging men to take more responsibility. If you're hearing your friends talk about, well, she should just keep her legs closed. I think you need to go, well, why wasn't he wearing a condom? Mm-hmm. What would, why would a man ever have sex without wearing a condom? What, why would he risk his partner's life? Are we just assuming men are jerks? What mm-hmm. are we, you know, why would we do that? Why, why would we just assume men would look for every opportunity to have sex without a condom, knowing the risks that come to the woman. Mm-hmm. Men are not jerks. I mean, not the men I know. Why would, why would we have created a culture that assumes that they, they get to be jerks about sex? So I think we need to just kind of have those conversations. And then I think when, uh, when I go back to politicians, when you're at a town hall, when you're hearing a politician give his or her um, you know, opinions about abortion, um, and if they're talking about legislating women's bodies, if they're talking about um, if they're really focusing on women, 
I think basically raising your hand, calling it out, writing the comment, asking the question, whatever it is you can to sort of insert yourself into the conversation to say, hey, 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 hold on. You've been talking about women here. Women can't, a woman's orgasm has literally never caused a pregnancy. Mm. Okay, so women enjoying sex doesn't cause pregnancies. Women having orgasms doesn't cause pregnancies. Let's talk about the men. What is your suggestion, politician, for holding men accountable who cause unwanted pregnancies? What is your, you know, suggestion for holding men accountable who ejaculate irresponsibly and and force in saying, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear your thoughts about women until you've addressed some thoughts about men. We've already heard everyone's thoughts about women. Tell me your thoughts about men and really trying to hold their, um, uh, you know, hold up the conversation until they're willing to kind of look at it that way. And really, I think my intention would be that they go, you know what, I need to think about that and I'll come back later. And I'd rather have them not talk about abortion at all, knowing they're going to have to, you know, focus on men. I would rather they don't talk about it at all than, than just use it as this silly talking point where they're trying to win votes and don't actually care about it. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Thank you so much. Uh, Gabrielle Blair, thank you so much for talking with us today. And uh, by the way, what is your Twitter handle for those who want to actually go read the whole uh, 64 tweet uh, thread, 63 tweet thread there um, that went viral? It's at Design Mom, D-E-S-I-G-N-M-O-M. And it is currently the pinned tweet. So easy to find. Perfect. Hey, thanks again for talking with me today. Thank you. That was a lot of fun.